Our reading today is from Acts 14, verse 1 to 20. I'm reading from the NIV Bible. At Iconium, Paul and Barnabas went, as usual, into the Jewish synagogue. There they spoke so effectively that a great number of Jews and Greeks believed. But the Jews who refused to believe stirred up the other Gentiles and poisoned their minds against their brothers. So Paul and Barnabas spent considerable time there, speaking boldly for the Lord, who confirmed the message of his grace by enabling them to perform signs and wonders. The people of the city were divided. Some sided with the Jews, others with the apostles. There was a plot afoot among the both Gentiles and Jews, together with their leaders, to mistreat them and stone them. But they found out about it and fled to the Laconian cities of Lystra and Derb and to the surrounding country, where they continued to preach the gospel. In Lystra there sat a man who was lame. He had been that way from birth and had never walked. He listened to Paul as he was speaking. Paul looked directly at him, saw that he had faith to be healed and called out, Stand up on your feet. At that, the man jumped up and began to walk. When the crowd saw what Paul had done, they shouted in the Laconian language, The gods have come down to us in human form. Barnabas they called Zeus, and Paul they called Hermes, because he was the chief speaker. The priest of Zeus, whose temple was just outside the city, brought bulls and wreaths to the city gates because he and the crowd wanted to offer sacrifices to them. But when the apostles, Barnabas and Paul, heard this, they tore their clothes and rushed out into the crowd, shouting, Friends, why are you doing this? We too are only human, like you. We are bringing you good news, telling you to turn from these worthless things to the living God, who made the heavens and the earth and the sea and everything in them. In the past, he let all nations go their own way, yet he has not left himself without testimony. He has shown kindness by giving you rain from heaven and crops in their seasons. He provides you with plenty of food and fills your hearts with joy. Even, when, even with these words, they had difficulty keeping the crowd from sacrificing to them. Then some Jews came from Antioch and Iconium and won the crowd over. They stoned Paul and dragged him outside the city, thinking he was dead. But after the disciples had gathered round him, he got up and went back to the city. The next day, he and Barnabas left for Derb. Good morning. It is lovely to be with you again today. But uh, before we dive into this week's passage, uh, perhaps you'd just like to pray with me. Father God, we thank you. We thank you for this time together. And we just pray now by your Holy Spirit that you would come and that you would minister among us that you would give us ears to hear and hearts to respond to the things that you might want to say to us today. Amen. Last, last week, I think it was, um, if you happen to be um, in our in-person service in the morning in St. Mike's, you would have heard Kai. Uh, Kai, for those of you who might not know, is one of the other vicars here in Aberystwyth um, and who I also happen to be married to. Um, and he was talking about his general hatred for all things Lego. But uh, me and our three boys, on the other hand, we are absolutely love Lego. Um, you know, much to Kai's dismay, our house is full of the stuff. In fact, there's probably not a room that is Lego free. 
Um, the boys, though, the boys are what I like to call proper little Lego masters. You know, I could give them a box of random Lego bits and they will build you all manner of different things. But me, I can't do that. Um, if I want to build Lego, then I need a clear set of instructions to follow. You know, without a step-by-step guide, I've got no idea. But I like the fact that if I follow the steps, I'm going to come out with something that looks really good. And uh, it occurs to me that most of us often think about mission and ministry in the church like that, don't we? Kind of, we just want our a step-by-step guide, you know, that if we follow the process in so many weeks' time or um, so many sessions, people, if we follow the steps, will give their life to Christ and we'll have this little uh, steady stream of, of brand new shiny Christians. But of course, in reality, life isn't like that is there you know everybody's different and what works in one community won't work in another and and of course there are great books out there on mission and evangelism but do you know even if we buy them and we actually read them rather than in my case I buy them and I put them on a bookshelf uh, to read later Uh, but anyway we can't just copy those books word for word and hope for success because life just isn't like that but what those books do do is they give us some some principles about how to think about mission and evangelism. They give us some basic principles of how to approach what we do. And I actually think that throughout the book of Acts, the early church is, is really good at showing us the principles that should guide the things that we do. You know, we've already seen their example of them coming together to pray before, during and after everything that they do. And in today's reading, Paul and Barnabas, on on their first real missionary journey, they give us this really good set of of principles on which to base our mission and ministry. And uh, when it comes to to their mission, it's interesting, you know, what's the first thing they do when they arrive? Well, they go to the synagogue. They go straight to where the Jewish people are and they start there. Why? Well, you know, I think, I think it's because there they'll find people who are, who are already familiar with the Old Testament scriptures, um, with people who already had some knowledge. There they were talking to people who, um, what they were saying could build upon the biblical knowledge that they already had, and they could explain that to them in the context of uh, Jesus and of, of their own scriptures. So, you know, basically, Paul and Barnabas start with the people who are most likely to hear what they're saying. Now, of course, for many of us, um, our everyday mission and ministry isn't, um, isn't about church planting. And, and even if it is, it's, it's certainly not really in the sense of planting a church where there's no other Christian uh, knowledge around. But, but, you know, Paul and Barnabas' example still actually holds for us, I think. You know, when it comes to our mission and ministry, the church often is a good place to start. The church can and does provide for us a really good base from which everything else can grow. You know, if we want our mission to be fruitful, then we must start from and return regularly to the church. Because it's the church where we find people that can teach us the scriptures, who can help us to grow in our knowledge and our understanding. It's the church that is the place where we can come corporately to pray with others, to make sure that we continue to seek God in all things. 
the church is, or well, it should be, I think, the primary place where we take care of our own discipleship. You know, there's a really true saying, isn't there, that we cannot give out to others if we are not being fed ourselves. You know, if we want to be effective in our mission, then we must keep our connection with the church. We must make sure that what we do is rooted in prayer and in Bible teaching and in worship. We've got to do that before we try to go out and share with others. You know, and I know that this is, uh, I'm going to say this, but I know it's a word that not everyone likes, but um, lots of people call uh, communion mass. And often it's a tradition that we associate with, with uh, the Catholic tradition. But, but really, do you know, mass literally comes from the word mission. It's the idea that everybody came together for mass. They were fed by God, which prepared them and made them ready to then go out in mission. Do you know, if we want to be faithful, if we want our mission to be fruitful, then we cannot lose sight of the importance of the church. And of course, for Paul and Barnabas, we're told then that a great number of Jews and Greeks came to faith in Jesus. And we're not told this specifically, um, but I don't think it's beyond the realms of possibility that some of these guys who came to faith in, in the synagogue became part of Paul and Barnabas's mission team. The church is a place where we can be resourced, resourced spiritually in terms of our own discipleship, but also resourced practically in terms of having the support of other people too. And these two things uh, become vital because the other thing that we see Paul and Barnabas show us about ministry is that whenever we step out and we start talking about Jesus, we will almost certainly be met with some kind of opposition. Uh, now, again, um, our situation isn't the same as, as Paul and Barnabas's, you know, unlike some of our other Christian brothers and sisters who live in places, um, in other places, you know, we, we live in a world, we live in a part of the world um, where we are privileged to be able to gather together for worship and where we can speak openly about our faith without the risk of persecution. You know, I am, I'm not in any way risking my life today by standing here and talking to you about Jesus. But that doesn't mean that we won't come up against opposition sometimes. There will always be, there will always be uh, people who do not agree with what we've got to say. There will always be people who will perhaps try to block what we're trying to do. You know, I once, I once went to a community event um, and I'd been invited to go. I'd been asked uh, to bless a memorial garden and it was... It was it was lovely, to be honest. It was a local group, um, local people who'd asked me to do it. And I was genuinely quite chuffed about it because I took it as a sign that we were beginning um, as a church to make some connections in our community. And uh, then, of course, it came time for the cheesy photo uh, with the local press and the local councillor who was there turned to me and they said, um, oh, um, do you mind um, not being in the photo? It's just I don't really want to be associated with anything to do with the church. Was I persecuted for being there? No, of course not. But did I face opposition? Did I get some pushback because of what I was saying? Yeah, absolutely I did. And it's at these times that I think we, we really need the support of our church, of our, of our Christian family, because these are the people who will help us stay strong and focused, both, like I say, in terms of our own discipleship, but also when we need that resolve to keep on going in what we're doing. 
when Paul and Barnabas faced opposition, they faced violent opposition. You know, and what's more, those who disagreed with them actually sought to stir up others in opposition. But this is what's interesting. You notice Paul and Barnabas don't simply say to them, well, you know, we've done our bit. We've told you about Jesus once. You've chosen not to accept him. So uh, thanks for the conversation. Uh, We'll agree to disagree and we'll be on our way. Thank you very much. No, when Paul and Barnabas face opposition, we're actually told, um, it says, so Paul and Barnabas spent some considerable time there speaking boldly for the Lord. In the face of opposition, these guys chose to stick it out. They didn't walk away at the first hoodle and uh, well, so often it's such an easy thing to do in admission, isn't it? You know, we might try something once or maybe for a term or I don't know, maybe even six months. And if it's not going quite how we want it to, we walk away. And yet so often one of the hallmarks of really fruitful mission is that people are prepared to be in it for the long haul. Paul and Barnabas stayed and in that they showed the community that they were committed to the message that they were preaching and to the people that they were preaching it to. When I, uh, when I first arrived in my last parish, um, I was chatting one day uh, to the lady who ran the mother and toddler group um, in the local community and uh, I was just, you know, talking to her about church and some of the things that we were hoping to do and um, how we might kind of bless the community in different ways and and one of the things she said to me it was really interesting she said ah yes ah yes she said that sounds great but I just hope that you're not going to be like all the other community do-gooders who come along with their big ideas and they spend five minutes here and then they disappear when their grant money runs out you know in today's society people are so used to everything just having its five minutes of being popular that they don't actually expect it to be any different when it comes to the church. But I think Paul, Paul and Barnabas show us a different pattern to this and they actually challenge us to get out there and show our communities that we are in this for the long haul. You know, certainly, well, thankfully for me, um, when I didn't accept Jesus immediately the first time I was told about him, Jesus didn't turn his back on me. What Jesus did was he said, okay, Liz, that's fine. You take your time. I'll still be here ready and waiting when you come back. And in our mission, we are challenged to offer the same thing to the people that we meet. You know, they might not accept Jesus immediately, but we don't walk away. We say, that's okay. We are committed to him and to you, and we're not going anywhere. And so Paul and Barnabas, they stuck around and they were they continued we're told to speak boldly about God and we're told that God confirmed what they were saying through doing miracles. Paul and Barnabas spoke about Jesus and then God confirmed it with miracles and not the other way around and that is a challenge isn't it because you know so often don't we tend to think that it should be the other way around that if people see miracles then they'll want to come and hear about Jesus And yet here we see the pattern of people hearing about Jesus and then having confirmed what they've heard by the presence of miracles. And it strikes me that so often that's what we saw in Jesus's ministry too. 
people heard about Jesus or they came to listen to Jesus and then they were healed or then they saw something amazing happen. And don't get me wrong, please don't get me wrong, I, I don't want to stand here and put God in a box and say God only does miracles when the people are told about Jesus and um, you know I'm sure we could all tell stories where that hasn't been the case. And certainly, you know, the two things, telling people about Jesus and miracles go hand in hand. But, but what I think is important here is that for the opportunity for God to do miracles, for, for people to be healed and, and other stuff, that opportunity came because Paul and Barnabas were there talking about Jesus. And I think what it does is, is it encourages us to remember that miracles on their own don't often bring people to faith. You know, I've seen people come back from death's door. I've seen people healed from cancer. And I've seen the people involved explain away what's happened with every other explanation under the sun other than Jesus. Why? I think probably because they didn't have that continued input about Jesus. God will do miracles. God does do miracles. But we have to do our part as well. And our part is to tell people about the awesomeness and the power of Jesus. And then, of course, to ask and to pray for the miracles to go alongside it. You know, this isn't an either or. It's a both and. And so, so we're going to take a little break now. We're going uh, to sing again. And then when we come back, um, we'll look at the last, but I think probably the, arguably the most important thing that Paul and Barnabas tell us about our mission and ministry. So Paul and Barnabas are out and about and they are preaching the word of God and God is doing miracles all over the show. People, in fact, they're seeing, they're seeing the most amazing miracles. But for whatever reason, despite Paul and Barnabas preaching the truth about Jesus, people's view of God hadn't actually changed you know, so when they see these miracles happening, they don't see it for what it is. They don't see the Holy Spirit working in and through people on earth. Rather, they decide that uh, Paul and Barnabas are actually gods themselves come down to earth in the form of men. Now, um, I get that that might sound a little bit far-fetched, but uh, to be fair to these people, it actually, it actually is quite a logical suggestion because uh, in Greek mythology, it was quite common for gods to come to earth in human form. And so when these guys kind of saw all the miracles happening, it, it made sense to them uh, that Paul and Barnabas were gods. And so they decide uh, that they're going to call them Zeus and Hermes and suddenly they have all the attention in the world. Everybody is quite literally falling over themselves to bring them uh, all sorts of sacrifices and stuff. But interestingly, although it sounds a bit weird, that's not actually weird uh, either. You see, um, uh, locally there was this local legend that uh, Zeus and Hermes had been had visited once before and they'd come disguised as humans. Um, but when they came, nobody had offered them any hospitality except this one old couple. And uh, this, funnily enough, made the gods really grumpy. And so apart from the old couple, they just decided to wipe out the entire population on a whim. And uh, so there's, there's, a, there's a healthy dose of fear in the worshipping that is going on to, to Paul and Barnabas. But even so, to be honest, it was probably quite nice for them, wasn't it? <laughs> um, you know, I don't want this to turn into some little woe is me moment uh, because there are people who go out of their way to encourage me in the job that I do and they bless me immensely. But 
to be honest, as is the case for most jobs and most and a lot of people, I guess, people generally only get in touch with me because A, they need something from me or B, they want to complain either about somebody else um, or about something that I have done that I shouldn't have done or that I didn't do properly or you get my drift. I'm sure many of you have experienced similar. So uh, if I got up tomorrow morning and there were a whole bunch of people there wanting to give me the credit for the God, the stuff that God does and they wanted to treat me like her goddess and, and bring me things, I'm not going to lie. I would probably enjoy the attention just a little bit. And yet, and yet Paul and Barnabas do the complete opposite. And in doing so, they do remind us that any mission or ministry that isn't solely built on Jesus will fail. They remind us that when God starts to move, we mustn't be, you know, tempted to believe in our own hype. And this, and I think this can be such an, an easy thing for us to do. In fact, we've probably all been guilty of it um, at, at some point. You know, somebody gives uh, some people some, some words of knowledge or prophecy and, and they're good and they're accurate. And then suddenly, before we know it, no one wants anyone to pray for them except that particular person. We've got um, some friends of ours, uh, Bruce and Steve, and, and many of you uh, know them too. And, and over the course of their ministry, they've seen literally uh, hundreds of people healed by God. And it becomes really easy to think, oh, yeah, if I need healing, then um, I just need to get one of them guys to pray for me. I said just the other week, actually, kind of uh, something came up and I said to Kai, I said, oh, if you're speaking to Steve, do me a favour, um, get him to pray for me. And of course... He's, he's an incredibly uh, faithful man. If he says he's going to pray, he will. But it's so easy for us to fall into the trap of, of thinking that the healing or the, or the answered prayer is suddenly down to the person who's doing, uh, who's doing the praying and not God who's the one actually doing the miracle. And that's, I think, where, where things like we can come a bit unstuck, can't we? Um, because when we allow our human egos to kick in, then why wouldn't we? You know, it's nice when people think that you're gifted or that you've got this kind of special ability. It's nice when people are talking about you and it's all positive. But Paul and Barnabas remind us that nice though it might be, actually, whatever we do in mission and ministry should never be about us. It should only ever be about bringing glory to God and to his name, giving him the praise and the worship for what he is doing. Any fruit that we might see, any miracles that we might see, anything good is about Jesus and not about us. And so Paul and Barnabas, as soon as they realise what's going on, they go to great lengths uh, to tell people that they've got it all wrong. You know, they tear their clothes and they say to them, look, you've got to turn away from all this stuff. You've got to turn to Jesus. He is the only way. And everything that you see and that you hear that's going on is about him. And so, and you know, and you know, by the way, he is so much bigger than any of your Greek gods could ever be. Paul and Barnabas went to great lengths to use what was going on to point people to the truth of Jesus. And that's our challenge too. And sometimes, yeah, I know, I get it. That is easier said than done. You know, it's, it's sometimes easy to build things on our own personalities. 
it's sometimes easy to say oh well I'm going to this church or I'm going to that service because you know I know who's preaching and I like them do you know it's not uncommon for church numbers or church congregations to go down when a vicar leaves and that's simply because often we fall into the trap of looking at the person and not at God and today's reading I think I think it really challenges us about that it challenges us to make sure that in our own discipleship that we are, we are always looking to God. We are always looking to find him in the situations we find ourselves rather than just blindly following another human being. Now, of course, that isn't to say that, you know, p- particular people's teachings or giftings, um, we don't find those helpful or encouraging. But it does mean that we just have to keep a little check on ourselves sometimes, you know, just to check that we really are searching after God and, and not after someone or something else. And for us, I think, as we seek to reach out to our family and our friends and our communities, it's, it challenges us to remain focused on continually pointing people to Jesus. You know, when we tell people about Jesus, we need to make it about him and not our own egos. When we see blessings and miracles, we need to make sure that we're not saying, thank you very much, aren't I great? Rather, we're constantly saying, look at what God's doing. God did that. We can't do this without God. It is his power and not ours. He might work in and through us, but it is always his power. And you know, this is so important because, you know, as I say, any mission or ministry that is built on anything other than Jesus or is focused on anything else will ultimately fail. Because even if people do come to faith, it won't be a lasting faith if it's rooted in us or if it's rooted in a particular place. And we see this as the people uh, turn from worshipping Paul and Barnabas to stoning Paul and running them out of town. You know, there was faith, but it was based on this idea of Paul and Barnabas being God's. And when it turns out that they're not, that's not the case, their faith just crumbles and they turn against them and, well, you know, everything turns a little bit ugly from here on in. And I think, I think it'll be no different for us. You know, if our ministry is based on anything other than Jesus, if people's faith is based on our personalities, if people's faith is based on where we are, then ultimately they're going to end up disappointed because, you know, in our humanness, we will let them down or whatever earthly things they've pinned their hopes on will eventually fail them. We will only ever see people come to a, to a lasting and fruitful faith if it is rooted in God and his word and nothing else. And you know, so today, today I pray, I pray that we would be like Paul and Barnabas. I pray that we would look to, to remain connected with the body, uh, God's body, his church. I pray that we would take seriously the need uh, to be fed and the need for our own discipleship as we reach out to others. I pray that God would give us the strength and the courage to uh, persevere when he when he calls us to something and and we're there and everybody else is telling us to pack up and go home I pray that he would give us the resolve and I pray that he would bless us 
with the gifts and the courage to step out and actually talk to people about Jesus, to share the gospel with them and with the boldness and the expectancy that God would confirm our words with his miracles. And above all else, I pray that everything that we say and do would be done so that it points others to Jesus, so that they too might come to an everlasting and fruitful relationship with him, the one in whom we all can only ever truly find life in all its fullness. Amen.